All right, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 today, and so let's, if you have your Bibles, let's turn there. We're going to read the chapter. It's not a very long one, so then we'll read it, and we'll go back over it and look at some points that I want to talk about today that I think uh, might be very encouraging for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Peter writes, and he says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. It says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older, all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who has called you to be to his glory, eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for this message today, and we ask, Father, for you to be with us. We ask, Father, you would speak to us from your word, and that you would fill us with your spirit and also with your truth. Father, today... Well, we need to be encouraged as we take this new step. We need to be strengthened as we continue to walk this path, and we need to stay faithful to you. So we pray, Father, that you would make yourself more and more real to us each and every day. Father, I pray for a blessing on those who are here today in person, and I pray for a blessing on those who are watching online through Facebook. We pray, Father, that you would bless each person as part of this church family. Whether they're in Lawrence or somewhere else in the world watching, we pray that you would be with them and meet their needs. Father, you are the God who meets all needs, and we thank you for that, Lord. Father, so today as I speak, I pray, Father, you'd use me for your glory, that you would speak through me, and that whatever I say would be for uh, the good of your people, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this is our last Sunday in this building. I've been here a little over 12 years. Uh, some of you have been here quite a bit longer than I have. Um, Cornerstone has been here, what, 29 years, 29 plus years in this, in this location. And Cornerstone began in this location, but we are not going to end in this location. This is not an ending day, all right? Amen? This is a new beginning, okay? Cornerstone has ministered and met together in this building for almost 30 years. Think of the weekly services that were held here. Think of the weddings and the funerals. Think of the vacation Bible schools that we held. Think of the fall festivals and the Christmas services and the Easter services. Think of the associational meetings that we had here, the various conferences on different topics and things like that, and, and speakers and concerts. We had concerts here. Uh, and a whole and like all Baptists, a whole lot of fellowship dinners, right? Yeah, good Baptists always eat. Always eat. Yes. A good, you know it's a good Baptist church when they have a regular meal, and we're going to have one today. But after today, we're going in a new direction. We're not stopping. This isn't the end of Cornerstone. We're just going in a new direction. We're finally heading east. 
Man, remember what they used to say, head west, young man, head west? Well, God's telling us to head east, go east, church. We're going to a whole new location, that location we've been dreaming and talking about for 11-some years now, uh, off of Connell Road. Can you praise God for that? Amen, yeah, amen. So today is not a sad day. It's a day to be encouraged because God has gotten us to this point, made it possible. When we first started out with the, on this journey towards O'Connell Road, we had a debt of $372,000. That's a lot of money for a church that really wasn't, we're not a mega church. We're not even, you know, we're not even really a large church. But we're going to be paying off that debt this week about $223,000. Yeah, something like that. God has blessed us greatly. And so we are very thankful. So it's a day to be encouraged. And Peter closes this letter out with uh, some very encouraging words for all of us. Whether you're uh, part of this church family or whether you're just slipping in with us today on Facebook or in person, uh, these are encouraging words. And it's more wisdom to help us have that vibrant relationship all of us need to have with God. We all need to have a vibrant relationship with God, a life, a relationship that is alive, that is growing and thriving. And that's what I think our country and our culture is missing today, this aspect of vibrancy in spiritual life with the one true living God. There's lots of spiritual things going on in our culture today, but they're not all involved with the one true living God. So today is not a sad day. Peter tells us here in what we're going to look at in a few moments, the passage we're going to look at, he tells us, stay humble. And we're, we've been humble. We've been humbled before God, and, and He has blessed us. We need to also be ready for the devil's attacks. He's not done with Cornerstone either. God's not done with it, and the devil's not either. And also, remember this. Remember this. God got us this far, right? Amen? Amen. God got us this far. And God's going to get us all the way through. He'll see us through if we keep our faith in Him. And here's something people need to understand today that many people don't hear very much about, and that is every need that you have, every need that you will ever have can be met by God. I mean that with all my heart. Every man, every need that you have can be met by God, somehow, some way. So let's look at this. Peter says in verse 6, he says, point number one, for those of you at home who have your paper ready and pencil, point number one, stay humble as you follow God. He tells us, stay humble. Let God do His work. Stay humble. Trust in Him. Stay humble. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself. Don't, don't wait for God to humble you. Humble yourself before God. Humility is not looking down on yourself. It's not that. Humility is not degrading. It's not that either. We're not to degrade each other or, or, or anybody. As Christians, we're not supposed to degrade anybody. So humility is not degrading or looking down on ourselves or anybody else. Humility is understanding your relationship with God. It's understanding that in your relationship with God, God has to be first. He must be. doesn't matter if you're married, got kids, grandkids. doesn't matter if you're a widow or a widower or whoever you are. doesn't matter if you've never been married in your entire life. God has to be first in your life because He's your Creator. He's also your Savior. And if we keep God in His place in our lives, we will be humble. And Peter says He will lift us up in due time. And I like that. If we humble ourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, He will lift us up in due time. 
Jesus said the very same thing. In Matthew 23, verse 12, he said this, For whoever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said, I'm going to turn everything around. If you're proud and arrogant, you're going to get humble. But if you're humble, God will exalt you. He'll lift you up. He'll, he'll give you right standing in His kingdom. See, there's no place in the Christian life for pride. There's no place for pride in the Christian's life. But we are easily swayed by pride, aren't we? We are human. And it's just the way it is. We're proud of what we do, the things that we do for a living, and our jobs, and maybe the business we own, or whatever. We're proud of the things that sit in our driveway or in our garage or tucked away in our storage sheds. We're proud of pieces of paper we hang on the wall with those big letters from colleges and universities and seminaries. We're proud of the numbers we count, like the money we gather. We're proud of the things other people praise us for. Pride can lead us to forget God's role and place in our lives. It can help us forget that God provides all things that He gives us the victories that we win. Pride is one of the deadliest sins there are that plagues mankind. That's why we have so many problems in our world today. Pride. Pride knows no social and economic standing. It knows no skin color. It knows no geography. It knows no ethnic group. It knows nothing. All it cares is that it drives people away from God. A lot of people, we need to remember this. We need to remember this as we move and as we build and when we move into that new building, we need to remember that a lot of people had a part in getting Cornerstone to this point in life. Certainly all of you here today, many of you at home as well. But there have been lots of other people too, too many to name. I know if I tried to name them, I'd forget a lot of them. But a lot of people have sacrificed, sacrificed by supporting us financially, but also with their prayers and their encouragement and their fellowship. There are people who still support us, who, who though they don't live near us, and they don't worship with us, they still support us financially every month. And they worship with us online, and they've helped Cornerstone be able to take this step to build on that new location out on O'Connell Road. And we should praise God for them. And I praise God for everybody who's had something to do with this great milestone in the history of Cornerstone. You see, Cornerstone isn't my church. Cornerstone is God's church. And I want Cornerstone to go on long after I'm gone. If Jesus should wait another hundred years, I want Cornerstone to be here when Jesus comes back. If he waits a thousand years, I want Cornerstone to be out there or somewhere in Lawrence when Jesus comes back. That's my whole idea. That's my whole plan in my mind is to leave behind something for God waiting on him when Jesus comes back. In Ephesians 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The only way we can be blessed, the only way anybody can be blessed is through Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's just the truth of the Bible. And I'm not ashamed to, to proclaim that, and, and I want to do that today. It's a great day to do that. We have been blessed as a church. In verse 7, Peter also said this. He says in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Friend, this is personal. This is personal between you and God. It's between me and God. It's personal. We're supposed to cast all our anxiety on him because he does care for us individually. Put your name in there. He cares for Gary or Anna or Tina or whoever. 
Jan and I briefly talked real quick right after, right before the service, and we both admitted that we didn't know if this day was ever going to come. And I've thought that for a long time, too. I've wondered myself, is this day ever going to come? Over the last 11 years, there's been times when I've wondered, are we ever going to move to that new location? You know, at times, money seemed to be kind of tight. It was hard to, to try to figure out how, how is this all going to work out? I mean, we always had the money to pay the bills. Uh, I always got paid. Uh, we always were able to do ministries. We've done lots of ministries. We're always able to do these things, but it was just never uh, overabundance, I guess you could say. So what did I do? Did I give up? No, I didn't give up. Even though at times I, I wondered and I kind of worried a little bit, I, I continually gave it over to God is what I did. I would talk to people in the church, and they would encourage me, even though I, they didn't know why I was talking to them about something. I was trying to get some sort of encouragement and just let it overflow. And, and people would encourage me just to stay faithful, even though they didn't understand why I was talking to them about that. I wouldn't come out and say what, I was, what was bothering me, but people would just say, stay faithful. You'll be okay. I would say to God, God, you're going to have to do this. You're the one who's going to have to do it. You're going to have to make this happen. And guess what, friend, he has. And you know, the kicker is this, and this was a concern that I had and many of the people in the church had. We wanted to make sure we sold to another good church. We wanted to sell to an evangelical church, a church that would lift up Christ. And I think that's the church that's going to do that. The church that's going to buy this building, is buying this building. I think they'll do that. And I think that'll be a good part of the, of the witness, of our witness as well. That this, stay, this building, this property stays in the kingdom to do more ministry under another church. And I'm glad God worked that out for us. But whenever we needed enough, God always seemed to give enough, right? Whenever we needed enough, God always seemed to have enough to give us. Sometimes it wasn't much more, but He always saw that we had enough to do whatever it was He was calling us to do at the time. So if you're concerned about having a place to worship, don't be. Cast your anxiety upon Him. If you are worrying at home about what you're going to do about meeting your needs, paying your bills, and these kinds of things, cast your cares and anxieties upon Him because God really does care for you. And church, we're living proof of that. Peter also said this, point number two, be ready. Be ready. He said, be ready for the devil. He will attack your faith. Be ready for the devil. He's going to attack you. He might do it through an illness. He might do it through a shortage of funds. He might do it in any number of ways. He's going to attack your faith. Look at verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't be that one that he devours. Watch out for the devil. Be ready for his attacks. Peter describes the devil like a lion. Lions are always hungry. They're always on the prowl. They're always looking for a victim. And that fits the devil perfectly. He wants to attack. The devil hates a biblical New Testament church with an everlasting, all-consuming hatred because he, first of all, hates Jesus. He hates Christians who trust God faithfully, completely, unrelentingly, and he will attack us every chance he gets because that's who he is. So we need to be ready. So how, do we, how can we be ready? How can we always be ready for, this, for the devil's attacks? Number one, very easy, stay close to God. That's so common sense. It's so easy to stay close to God. Hold on tight to God by your faith in Him all the time. Keep all your faith in Him. Peter says in verse 9, Resist Him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers 
throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not alone in this. The devil's also attacking other people too, other Christians. Peter says, resist. Resist the devil. That means we have to be determined. And we have to be decided in advance, ready to resist the devil. Prepared. Stand firm in the faith, Peter says. That means we have to be convinced and convicted about relying on God, not in our strength, but in God's strength, that what we say we believe about God, we truly do believe about God with all of our hearts. We can't be half-hearted Christians. We've got to be 110%. In Ephesians 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul wrote this. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your standing as the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We don't war like man wars. We war against the devil. And he's a harder, tougher enemy than the Russians or the Chinese or anybody else you want to name who might be an enemy of America. We as Christians, we're fighting a greater war than that. We're fighting the same war here in America that Chinese Christians are fighting over there right now. Matter of fact, we ought to be standing with our Christian brothers all around the world who are suffering for their faith in Christ. So what practical things can I, can you and I do that will help us resist the devil, that will help us stand firm in the faith? There are several more things we can do. You might want to write these down. One, pray regularly. Pray regularly. I mean daily. Pray regularly. Paul says pray unceasingly. Study your Bible. Don't just read a devotional or read your Bible. Study your Bible. That way you can let it soak into your heart and mind and spirit. Let God's work soak your heart and mind in God's Word by studying the Bible. Let it become, in, become part of who you are. Worship every chance you get. Singing, praying, giving, hearing a message based on the Bible. All these things will keep you close to God and help you resist the devil. They will strengthen you spiritually, but without them you are vulnerable and weak, and the devil will take advantage of that. So stand firm in the faith and do it in God's strength. And then number three, Peter says this. He says, God will see you through this life as you trust in Him. This is not a one-off thing. Making your statement of faith, believing in Jesus Christ, is not a one-off thing. You don't walk the aisle. You don't talk to the preacher or a deacon or somebody like that once, say a prayer, and you're done. No. You've got to trust Him all the time. You've got to live, give your life to Him. And this is simply the work of salvation. Look at verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast to him be the power forever and ever amen and this is the work of salvation that god does on our behalf and this work of salvation happens daily daily all the time constantly working on us thinking getting us thinking about his word getting us thinking about what he's trying to teach us and god will see us through this life whatever we're going through in this life is meaningless it's totally meaningless in the long run because god is the god of all grace and I love that phrase, the God of all grace. What an amazing thought that we know God is a God of grace and love and not a God of judgment. Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. 
I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from a love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from God if we're in Christ Jesus. That's the key. So you see, you just can't say, oh, I believe in a higher power or I believe in God and not do anything about that. You've got to find Christ. You've got to be with Christ. In John 14, verse 2 and 3, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I will come and take you to be with me so you may be where I am. There's that promise. That whatever happens in life, that he'll, be, he'll take us into his presence when this life is over. Peter is telling us to hang in there by hanging on to God through faith in Jesus. That every promise God made will come to it true, to, true just as he said it would. This includes the promises for this life as well as the next. That he will be with us in this life as well. Never forsaking us, always providing, always caring for us as we, as we call on him as his people and his church. God has called Cornerstone to be an East Lawrence church. We've always been an East Lawrence church, and we're still going to be an East Lawrence church. And moving to the new, new location on Connell Road is just part of who we are as, as a church, as the body of Christ. And part of who we are is to help other people, like those of watching on Facebook Live, like those who will come to the service at the, at the hotel or will come with us when we meet the, in the new building to help them know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that we know as followers of Christ. In John 14, verse 1, the Bible says this. Jesus said, he says, trust in God, trust also in me. And that's what we're called to do. Lift that up. Lift up Christ to the world around us. How do you do that? How do you trust in God and trust in Jesus Christ? You do it by giving him your whole life, by starting right where you are, turning your life over to him, and you do that simply by saying a prayer. The Bible tells us that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I encourage you to call on the Lord and have salvation. You can do that by saying a simple prayer. Let me just share this prayer with you online. Those of you who are here, maybe you've never said this prayer. Maybe it's time for you to say it. Or maybe you know someone who needs to say it. Pray for them as I pray this and help others too. All you've got to do is you have to pray this prayer, but you have to mean it. It must come from your heart. Dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I acknowledge to you that I need the forgiveness only Jesus Christ can give. Dear Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Savior and Lord today and every day. Amen. I hope you said that prayer. And if you did, I hope you'll call me at 785-843-0442. That's the church office. I'd love to talk to you more about what you need to do as a, as a Christian, how you can grow in your faith and, and continue to follow Jesus. Now Ann is going to come and lead a song. Yeah. Oh. Let's stand together as we get ready to sing. And uh, let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for this time together with your people in your house. Lord, we praise and thank you that you're here with us.